Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Every now and again, Forum just likes to talk with a fascinating person here in the Bay Area. We call it our first person series, and we're restarting it today with Matt Marostica. He's something of an outlier. He lives in Berkeley and was the ward bishop of the Church of Latter-day Saints in the city from 2008 to 2015. He says the Berkeley ward welcomes everyone, openly gay members, undocumented immigrants, and even conservatives. Welcome to the show, Matt. Good morning. It's nice to be here. So I, you know, I just kind of want to ask the really obvious question here. What's it like being a devout member of the Latter-day Saints, traditionally kind of associated with uh, conservative viewpoints in the very liberal Bay Area? Well, it makes it really easy, actually, as long as you're progressive and you're <laughs> part of our of our local congregations here. It's not just the Berkeley Ward. It kind of extends to our whole what we call a stake, which is kind of like a diocese, 10 congregations. And um, so we tend to see things in the same, you know, general way across those congregations. Well, tell me about that, like how those things sort of the, the different pieces of the stake relate to each other, you know, Berkeley versus Oakland, and then, you know, the Bay Area and Salt Lake City. Great. Okay. So I'll, I'll start with, I'll say that the in our stake, we say that wards on this side of the hill, you know, the west side of the hill are tend to be pretty consistent ideologically. Um, our, our ward, the Berkeley ward, encompasses Albany, a little bit of El Cerrito and Berkeley. And then as you go over the hill, it tends to get a little bit more conservative. I'll say we've also interacted a lot with um, Latter-day Saints from Danville, and we tend to be quite different uh, compared to Danville. Um I've lived in Utah, I used to be a professor at BYU. And of course, um, it's quite different ideologically. It'll, you know, it might call levels of orthodoxy between here and and much of Utah. Yeah. 
As part of our first person series here, we're talking with Matt Morostic. He was the Ward Bishop of the Church of Latter-day Saints in Berkeley from 2008 to 2015. And we want to hear from you. Are you a member of a very liberal Bay Area faith community within a denomination or religion that's generally considered conservative? Give us a call now, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, or you can email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Do you think that being in Berkeley, like you moved here uh, from Utah, do you feel like it's changed your faith in in some ways? Yeah, yes, it has. It's it's. I'll say it's kind of allowed me to be a little bit more of who I was already becoming as a Latter Day Saint. Um, I had, I was a Mormon missionary in Argentina, and was exposed to poverty and repression both because I was there during the last military dictatorship and that experience kind of well it radically transformed my worldview and I I ended up coming to Berkeley to get a PhD in political science because I was concerned about about repression I was concerned about extremes of poverty and coming and um, being welcomed into the Berkeley ward helped me to kind of you know um, ha- develop a new way of seeing the world that's, ba- I would say, more than anything, based in the idea that our heavenly parents love all of their children. And that if we start with that premise, then we treat people differently within our own congregations and more generally in the world. You know, the Latter-day Saints are sort of almost uniquely bound up with the history of the American project. So, how do you think about the history of the United States then? I mean, given that you've, you know, you've seen the outer edges of the American empire in Argentina and you've done political uh, science PhD work, um, how, how do you kind of square all that? Okay, well, I, I do, I start from the ideas of, of that I learned as, you know, a child and as a growing up Mormon in Connecticut and a place where there are were very few Mormons, but where we had a great ward that was drawn from 20 towns and the city of Hartford. So it was quite diverse um, in essentially every way. Um, and there I learned the idea that the, the constitution in the United States is, is inspired by God. And I, I still think that. I think that the United States came into being so that new ways of experimenting with with democracy, I think more than anything could, could come about. And um, as a result, I'm very committed to, to the idea that we have something very special here that we need to protect. And um, I'll say, you know, the assault on our democracy recently at the US Capitol is something that fills me with great horror. And that, um, you know, as Latter-day Saints, I think we uniformly should condemn you know, you're in a faith that is quite alive, quite living. I mean, you know, came into being sort of in a history that people can know and, and, and understand. Does that is that one of the things that gives you sort of faith and hope that the church will change with the times because it sort of has these mechanisms for doing so? Yeah, that's it. I love I love that. Thank you for that insight. Yes. And um, I think it's one of the great strengths of of our church is that it has grown up progressed over time and it can grow and progress because we don't believe in, uh, you know, a static God who has given us some 
things to do and 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 kind of leaves things alone, but rather a God that intervenes with um, the leadership of our church and also in the lives of of individual Latter-day Saints that um, we we can change our doctrine. <laughs> Pretty, you know, that we have, we call the leader of our church, our prophet and the prophet can receive revelation and, and help the church move forward. Yeah. You know, you're a librarian at Stanford by, that's your job now. Um, mm. Librarians, at least the ones I've known are probably like the most radical profession out there right now. <laughs> so when you are, start talking about God with your colleagues, if that comes up or at, at conferences, what what happened? I mean, do people just uh, know what to say? Are they sort of like, oh, I knew people who were religious at some point in my life. Like, what's what's the reaction? <laughs> I didn't know that you would know that librarians are like that, but you're right. <laughs> um, I think many of my colleagues are somewhat perplexed by me that um, for two reasons. One is just, you know, being a believer is is kind of outside the experience of university librarians. We're not talking about librarians, you know, in your town necessarily, but certainly university librarians do tend to be um, somewhat uniformly progressive and not super believing people as a rule. And um, <laughs> it's kind of fun, right? To be able to, to have, share all of the political views and yet bring this other thing in that's quite different. Yeah. Do they, have any people like been, been drawn to it and ended up like in the church with you? Uh, not through libraries. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, in my town in Connecticut, our my family, um, all of the boyfriends and girlfriends of my siblings, they all came into the church, you know, because they got they got to know our family and they really liked what they saw. So that thing has happened, you know, in my life, but not with librarians. As part of our first person series here, we're talking with Matt Marostica. He was the ward bishop of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Berkeley from 2008 to 2015. And we want to hear from you. Are you a member of a very liberal Bay Area faith community that's sort of embedded within a denomination or religion that's generally considered conservative? We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call now, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Or you can get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, or you can email your story to forum at kqed.org. Um, so, Matt, like right now, what are the big sort of political flashpoints within uh, the uh, within the church right now? So, I, I'll identify two. One is that is very recent, which is um, that our church leadership has taken a very strong position on masking, on vaccination, um, in support of it. Uh, to be clear, our, the, our current prophet, Russell Nelson, is a heart surgeon. He is that this is he has championed vaccination and social distancing and um, people. I, you, I'm certainly our the listeners know that in Utah and Idaho there has been some real resistance to this, and so there's a there's a tension within the church of people who are um, so view themselves as supportive of the prophet, but don't, you know, don't like that they are being uh, encouraged to mask or encouraged to vaccinate. I'll also say the church is divided politically by, um, you know, movements, anti-democratic movements in the, in the Republican party. And then those that, you know, see that as 
a wonderful development. I don't know what else to say about that other than that produces an ongoing tension. Yeah. You know, uh, listener Kirk, I'm, I'm sure you've heard this, and I just want to give you a chance to respond to it. Kirk says, the most fabricated, made-up, homophobic, 100% white American-made religion. Um, obviously, I, I assume that you get that kind of pushback from people in the Bay Area. And, and, and what do you say, um, particularly given that the church's stance on gay people have not been in line with most people here in the Bay Area? Yeah, so I'll... Um... I'll just go straight to that point. The rest of it I, is of little interest to me. I'll say that um, in in my experience, in the congregation in which I worship, we um, love our gay members and we have them and we love and respect them and are happy to be with them. We have um, embraced our gay members for a long time in Berkeley. And uh, I my experience of the of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints is local and i i celebrate being with um god's children and um worshiping with them if you want me to address the larger issues we yeah let's talk about those larger issues you know i mean you were recently in a washington post article um about the rise of liberal latter-day saints and you know there was a group that uh, in Utah of gay men who were raised in the church. And it said, you know, most of them ended up falling out of the church because there wasn't a place for them. Yes. And I'll say that right now there is not a place for, um, for gay men and uh, other queer folk in the, um, in the policies of the church. There is not a place. So I'm, I'm not pre- pretending that there is. But I'm saying that frequently change can come from below. And at the local level, um, we are showing a model for how to embrace our gay brothers and sisters and do everything we can to make them feel loved and welcome. And, and that can happen. It is happening. Yeah. Um, that, and I hope that we can be a model that is recognized you know, in Salt Lake and by the church leadership. And I'll say that our... Our leadership here beyond me, uh, this, this, our previous stake president, the man who ran this group of congregations for the last 10 years, and our current stake president have gone out of their way to um, show a different model to Salt Lake. And, and they are really kind of the representatives that can you know, be seen and heard. And I'm proud to be associated with them. You know, Toby writes... Um, I love that you're having this conversation, but please make sure to refer to the church by its full correct name, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We are Christians, and this matters. Do you encounter that a lot, that people don't think Mormons are Christians? Yeah, it's kind of very, very specific thing. I'll say it's mostly driven by um, evangelical Christians. So you hear it a lot in the United States that um, because we um, don't subscribe to the the most orthodox Christian conception of God, um, the tr- the Holy Trinity, um, we are seen as not Christian, and this is just based on you know doctrine, on a belief about the nature of God. Yeah, you know how much pushback do you get on the conservative side, even here in the Bay Area? I mean, I, I would assume that as as much as maybe callers in this program might be sort of pushing you from the liberal side, that within 
your experience of the church, a lot of people are saying, are, are you sure your interpretations are, are you know, uh, true to the word of God? That happens all the time. Yes. I, I'll, I'll give you a, a slightly, I, I'll say it's a, an unhappy thing has happened in our congregation in the last five years or so. I, I attribute it to just continuing the rise of housing prices, but we have very few, if any, um, I'll say Orthodox conservative members of our congregation now. We used to have more. And there we that created a better dialogue because now, you know, everyone's in some sense preaching to the choir. We <laughs> in our congregation, we kind of all see things the same way. Or the few that might want to, you know, say something, I think probably feel overwhelmed. But in the past, we've had um within our congregation and within our within our stake um, divergent views that just produce a better dialogue, right? It's great to be able to talk to people who see things differently, but embrace you as a fellow believer. And I, I, I have mostly been treated that way, um, you know, as a fellow believer with differing views. I want to add Molly from San Jose into the conversation. Welcome, Molly. Hi there. Thanks for having me. What's your what's your story? So I grew up in the Midwest, um, and I went to a Methodist church, a conservative Methodist church. Um, I walked away in my 20s in 1999 when I was 29 and moved out to the Bay Area and almost immediately got introduced to this non-denominational Christian church. And um, at the time, it was a really large church, very successful, and um, the teaching there really, really opened up my eyes to loving the least, the last, and the lost. It just showed me that the Bible is really a Bible about justice and mercy and loving your neighbor. That I think that, well, number one, we're called to, to love our God, but also uh, called to love our neighbor. That's the second commandment, the most important two commandments of the Bible. And um, it just radically changed my political views from very conservative to very liberal. Mm. And I just, you know, I don't have all the answers, and I don't think anyone does, but I think that people just need to, I mean, my hope for people is that they would, like, pay attention and and look into it for themselves, that my life has radically changed and um, in such wonderful ways, and it's not perfect, and it's not, you know, I still suffer loss and grief and et cetera, but... Um, I have like this uh, faith inside that gives me a lot of confidence yeah. and hope, uh, not only for myself, my family, but for the world, even <laughs> in spite of all of the things that are going on. Yeah. Oh, Molly, thanks so much for sharing your story with us. Uh, Matt, yeah, I want to ask. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. Um, Matt, I want to ask you uh, on our last question here. You know, there is this tension between your faith and your politics. And has there ever been a time when your faith was really challenged and you thought like, you know what, I'm leaving this church? I have not thought that. I, I'm not saying that I haven't been challenged, but I really, I really love being um, Mormon. It's a, it is, makes my life better. I get to interact with people not like me. I, right now, I, I work with a Spanish-speaking congregation in our state. It makes me happy every Sunday to be able to go to church and to be able to love these people who are generally new to the church, certainly new to the United States, mostly undocumented. And it is a great blessing in my life to be 
part of that. And um, I love the way Molly framed it, that she's exactly right. Love thy neighbor as thyself. And, you know, I think that being a Latter-day Saint gives me the chance to do that, to, to love others in the way that Jesus said. Thank you so much. This has been part of our first person series, and we've been talking with Matt Morostica. He was the Ward Bishop of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Berkeley from 2008 to 2015. Thank you, Matt. You're welcome. Thank you. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with host Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.